I think people can't deal with the stress of, of failure and stuff like that. The, the people who are successful, Brandon, and some of these selection processes and stuff like that. And, and again, also, you know, translate to real estate or the people who can treat this like a marathon, you know, this isn't a buy a home on a, or buy a property on Monday and you're in the Caribbean on Friday on your yacht. This is, this is a long play, but the amount of generational wealth that can be produced from an asset, a hard asset like real estate, it, it can't be replicated by the stock market or by cryptocurrency or, or by anything else out there. So really taking that mindset from the military of like, hey, I'm going to wake up today and I'm going to get out of my comfort zone. If that's, you know, talk to a new broker, if that's, you know, go on a 10 mile run, if that's, uh, you know, jump out of an airplane, whatever it is, I'm, I'm going to go do that thing. And I'm going to wake up and I'm going to do it every single day. You're listening to the Gorilla State Investing Podcast. We're not here to bruise your bananas with guru sales pitches, overrated fluff, or any other kind of monkey business. We simply provide the ground-pounding truth about what it takes to be successful in real estate. All right, we are live. Welcome to another episode of Gorilla State Investing Podcast. I'm your host, Brandon Magarowski. And today I have a young investor named Jesse Fuchsia. He is full-time active duty in the Army in Columbus, Georgia. He started investing in real estate when he was 20 years old. Um, and he is now 26 years old and looks like he's closing, his team's closing on a 141-unit deal. Uh, where's that deal located, Jesse? It's actually in uh, northern New York. So I'm, I'm born and raised in upstate New York. That deals in northern New York just because okay. we kind of have better situation awareness on the markets and stuff up there. So. Awesome. Well, before we dive into that big deal, I want to kind of take it back to when you were 20 years old and kind of why you got started investing in real estate. Because someone like myself and our team, man, I didn't start until I was in my 30s. I didn't understand it. You know, when I was 20, I was playing baseball, drinking beer, having fun, had knew nothing about investing, right? Uh, but here you are, you're six years into it and you're only 26. So give us a little bit of the backstory, Jesse, and uh, we'll kind of take it from there. Yeah, Brandon, privileged to be here with you today. I mean, I love the content that your whole team pushes on this podcast and everything you do for your listeners is huge. So first and foremost, it's a, it's a privilege to be here. But uh, but yeah, Jesse Fuchsia, uh, born and raised in upstate New York. How, how I got started really was back in college. I was um, a sophomore or junior going to school up there, getting ready to move off campus and just like looking at the surrounding market of where student housing was at up there and stuff like that. There were, you know, unfortunately so many slum, you know, in lesser terms, there were slumlords, uh, these people that would, you know, rip all the money out of the properties, not put anything back in, rip the students off. I mean, just horror stories of, of properties up, up there. So were really, you living in them? I didn't. So again, okay. this is the funny story. We're, we're getting ready. We're, we're hitting this part. And it's like, you know, I was like, man, I think we can do this better. I think we can buy these houses and take good care of them and stuff like that. So really, I, I pitched my father, who was an accredited investor who at no time had zero real estate experience. We, no one had ever owned or operated a, a property. And I was like, dad, you know, there's these duplexes out there that are four bedrooms upstairs, four bedrooms downstairs. So eight bedrooms that we can buy and operate it as if it's an eight unit apartment building. So rent it by the bedroom because it's student housing, you know, nobody's related to each other or, or anything like that. So we can, we can buy up some of these properties and, and almost double the gross revenue on day one acquisition by 
you know, changing the lease structure and stuff like that. So obviously I had a huge end with the university and the student body and stuff like that. Um, you know, my father had cash to deploy. I could live in the house. I could help operate it. I could take care of it. I could watch over it, um, fill in the blank. But yeah, what started as a, uh, walking downtown and, and looking at some uh, crappy houses six years ago has grown into a, a small but 10 property portfolio that's pure student housing. I, I think ranging about 65 or 68 bedrooms or so um, that again, we rent by the bedroom that we still own and operate today in, uh, in upstate New York. So pretty, pretty cool how we uh, got started with that. So that's awesome. When you jumped into that deal uh, was, I know dad had the money. Was it a big business pitch to dad or was it kind of, Hey man, I trust you, Jesse, we're going to do this together and we'll figure it out. Yeah. I, I think my dad just had like cash to deploy at the time. And it's like, you know, what are opportunities for people to deploy cash, you know, into the stock market or, you know, in IRAs or, or something like that. It's like, dad, like I can show you, we can get way better returns, especially with this new structure of like renting by the bedroom. Mm -hmm. If we invest in this property, as opposed to like investing in something so, so volatile as the stock market, or, I mean, this is 2015. So crypto hadn't really taken off yet, but just a, a better, just investing uh, philosophy than something super volatile, like the stock market or something like that. So awesome. So you hold those properties today, correct? Yep. We still hold all of them. Um, we didn't have any issues. We were super fortunate through COVID and stuff like that. Obviously people in student housing, you know, hearts dropped during COVID universities went remote, but um, really I, I think it speaks to the product that we provide. I mean, we've never been at anything less than hundred percent occupancy. Um, very rarely do we have issues with collections. I, I think that's mostly due to in student housing. And I, again, a generalized comment, I'm not speaking for everyone, but the majority it's it's mom and dad paying for the student as opposed to the student particularly so we, we've been super fortunate and and yeah we we hold each and every one of those properties still today so so you're active duty in columbus georgia those properties are back you say in upstate new york is that what you said Ups, yep upstate okay new york. so who who's managing those properties for you because that's a big so, piece of the puzzle right you're saying 100 occupancy and everything it's well you're not there boots on the ground someone's got to be doing a really good job of managing those properties yeah, they are. And, and again, it speaks to the level of the product that we provide. Um, our portfolio in upstate New York is about 20 minutes from where my father lives and where his current business is and stuff like that. So really, we keep all the management in-house. So it's my father, it's a couple of my brothers, it's my sister and stuff like that. Again, with only 10 houses, we're able to keep that pretty much in-house. And I, and I would say in a smaller portfolio like that, you know, no, no one's going to care more about that property, Brandon, than the property owner himself, as opposed to outsourcing it to a, a third party uh, uh, management company or something like that. Just with the size of 10, you know, houses, we're able to keep everything in house and able to provide that uh, superb service to our tenants. So awesome. So with that property, you've held it for, is it almost six years now, Jesse? Yeah, six years. And again, we've accumulated them over the last six years. So some okay. have been six years, others have been two or three or, or whatever. Is the, is the strategy to do a refi, to sell? What What's kind of the exit strategy or the hold strategy on these properties? So we've done a huge value add already. And to kind of put this into, uh, put this into play for everybody that's out there, you know, a couple of these properties we bought for about 150,000 in 2015. And there are properties right next door, you know, same composition, not nearly as nice as ours, because again, our whole mentality, we do a lot of value add. They're selling for well over the 250 
the 275 mark here five, six years later, which is, I mean, mind blowing. So the goal here really in the next six to 12 months, as we again, begin to build and branch into the commercial side is actually to execute a 1031 into um, either a, an apartment building or mobile home park or, or self-storage facility. So, so that's really the goal here is in the next six, 12 months to uh, find something that we can uh, execute that business model with. Awesome. Well, we're not going to dive into the weeds on a 1031 exchange, but we actually just did a podcast released one with Nathan Webb on, on the 1031 exchange. And I went back and listened to it because it's just such great information about how people build generational wealth. And it's strictly directly through the 1031 exchange program. So for the listeners out there, if you want to learn more about the 1031 exchange, uh, just check out episode three with Nathan Webb. Uh, he's got some great information there. All right, fast forward, you, you bought the properties uh, in upstate New York. Uh, when did you become full-time active duty? Were you already full-time active duty? So I did uh, ROTC. So basically I did the military while, while I was in college and mm -hmm. then I owed them a certain commitment afterwards. So I would say two years after we got our first property, I uh, commissioned as an officer in the army and uh, basically left New York to, uh, okay. to go serve, which I'm currently doing now. So, All right. Well, let's pivot away from the real estate and let's talk about your role in the army because I'm not military. I'm actually originally from Canada. Our military is very minute to say it nicely. We just, we don't have what it is, what it's like in the United States. So I'm curious, and I'm sure some listeners are curious, and what's your role there? Um, how do you balance being active duty and the real estate? Uh, just give us the rundown there, Jesse. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And, and great question, because it's super important. And uh, really, I've always wanted to serve in the military and being from upstate New York, even though I'm not from New York City, you know, 9-11 was a huge why and the reason for me, at least to join the military. And I actually uh, deployed in the spring of 2020 to the Middle East, and I carried a piece of concrete facade uh, from World Trade Center to the South Tower um, on my kit as I deployed over there. So really, that, that was a huge why for me. And um, it's it's always about, you know, walking to the beat of the drum that honestly, whether it's real estate or the military, you know, I want to be with the best and I want to fight with the best and whatever that takes. I mean, my current job is I'm down here at Fort Benning with the 75th Ranger Regiment, the U.S. Army Rangers down here. And the selection process to, you know, be able to attain that level or to, you know, serve with the, you know, some of the greatest men and women in the world, which comprise the 75th Ranger Regiment has been nothing but a privilege. But I would tell you that, you know, no different from the military, also in real estate, I mean, mindset plays a huge, a huge stake in that and, and believing, you know, through those difficult selection processes, whether it's, you know, Ranger school or, or the Ranger assessment and selection process or, or whatever, um, you know, believing that, you have the ability to succeed and, and even, you know, waking up and, and getting your face kicked in every day is just a part of the process, whether it's in the military or, or you're an investor, dude, it's, it's a part of the process, you know, being able to see the long-term journey, but yeah, my, my, uh, active duty job, I'm a U.S. Army Ranger. I'm a, I'm a fire support officer. So basically we work a lot with artillery and mortars and stuff like that, not to get into the weeds, but yeah, I've been down here in Columbus, Georgia for about two years now. And, and we're about to uh, move here again in the next few weeks. Again, Military has been a, a super rewarding, super fun career. It's been great, um, but I'm really looking to pivot here within the next two to three years and hopefully do this commercial real estate thing uh, full time. So I'm pretty excited about that. Okay. So you said you, is your tour in Columbus almost over? 
moving on or it, it is yeah i'll move here in the next few weeks okay so, so i know uh some of our partners in uh real focus our our investing group are active duty military they're in the navy and they've you know they move every two years but what they've done when they get to those places like a panama city or a virginia or california they're investing while they're there with knowing that they're going to move in two years have you invested in columbus georgia at all no, I, I haven't. And honestly, my my day-to-day -day job here, just being with such an elite organization, was just really the focus while I was boots on the ground. Like I was still behind the computer getting after everything under the sun in regards to the student housing. Mm -hmm. And as we scale here to the commercial side, but uh, as we move here, we're actually moving to Oklahoma in two weeks. And to kind of get after the note you're getting after right now, um, already began working partnerships with brokers and stuff like that, specifically in the OKC and Tulsa area. So we're super excited about that. Awesome. Um, that's going to be really exciting. But to answer your question, uh, Brandon, no, uh, we don't have any property or, or anything here in Columbus. So Okay. So as you transition to Oklahoma City and Tulsa, okay, you just mentioned it, you're already creating relationships with brokers, um, you know, trying to get deal generation. Have you vetted those markets? And if you have, what what criteria are you using to vet markets to make sure that Oklahoma City and Tulsa are investable markets for commercial? Yeah, absolutely. I, I think the number one thing we, or really the top two things we look at is obviously population growth. Um, and OKC and Tulsa, I mean, crush it. I think, I think I can't speak to Tulsa. I can't remember off the top of my head, but I know Oklahoma City, I think has grown at something like seven or eight percent a year or something like that i mean it's it's pretty phenomenal and i think that you know those people that are are migrating from that california that are heading to that texas or that arizona you know who maybe don't want to live in those markets as expensive as the austins and the dallas's and the fort worth or the phoenix are finding great homes right now in oklahoma city in tulsa where there's also a great diversification of jobs I mean, these two markets are absolutely booming right now. And, and the greatest part that's really drawing us to them is, and again, it's it's just not as expensive as those Dallas's or, or, or those Phoenixes, those Austin's, um, Houston's, stuff like that. So those, those are probably the top two is job diversification. We love looking at that and how many, um, you know, industries and stuff are in that. And OKC and Tulsa both uh, tick that with Boeing and, and Amazon and other things. And then population growth is the other huge thing. And again, I think people, you know, for whatever reason, you know, expensive or, or jobs or whatever are finding homes in those two cities right now. So that's what's really attracting us to those great secondary markets. Yeah, no, that's great information. And our team uses a similar, uh, you know, data centered approach to analyzing markets. And, and we use kind of five criteria with population growth being at the top of the list. But we also look at um, the crime rate we looking mm -hmm. forward to decreasing crime rate within that uh, within that city or that submarket of that city, and all that information, all that data and information for your listeners out there is free online. Citydata.com has everything you could ever dream about within a market, and you can go down to submarkets within that city. So you can dive into the submarkets of Tulsa and Oklahoma City and find the population growth and the crime and and any other data points you want to see. So. You said this a few times, you keep saying us, you know, we're looking for properties. Who's us? Who, who's obviously this is not done by yourself, Jesse, who you got on your team. Tell me about them. Yeah, absolutely. So again, obviously getting with the getting started with the student housing, you know, with my family and stuff like that and looking to 1031 here in the next, you know, couple months, it's, it's definitely kind of when I say us, I'm probably right now, just specifically uh, talking about a family thing of, 
myself, you know, my father, my brother, and uh, and stuff like that. But we all play, you know, intricate roles, you know, where maybe I'm not so boots on the ground because of my military job. And you asked the awesome question before of, you know, balancing it and stuff like that. I mean, I'm on the computer every day, you know, making phone calls, talking to brokers, looking at deals, vetting deals, underwriting, you know, fill in the blank where they're able to leverage more of an odd boot or boots on the ground or asset management piece of like the management of the portfolio and stuff like that. So obviously as we transition out here to Oklahoma, I'll have the opportunity to get out there and, and get boots on the ground and stuff like that. But we're, we're really excited about as we begin this commercial real estate, you know, journey, obviously with our first property under contract currently, you know, expanding to partner with other people as we begin to raise capital and stuff like that. And I really think that the student housing and this first commercial property that we're under contract for are going to provide a, a great track record to start raising capital with and to start partnering with other people and stuff like that. So, you know, to specifically answer, uh, Brandon, yeah, us right now is just the family, but I'm, I'm telling you like 12 months from now or six months from now, I'm sure it's going to be a different story. So we're excited about that. Awesome, man. Okay. Well, let's dive into it. Let's tell me about the 141 unit mobile home park. How'd you find the deal? Where's the deal? Maybe get a drink of water and, uh, and give us the rundown, man. This is going to, this is going to blow everyone's mind. And this is super exciting to talk about. So this deal came on market in early of, uh, 2020, probably January or February timeframe. And it was listed at about 1.5 million. And at that time, the uh, seller wasn't going to take anything less than cash. Um, he wasn't willing to hold the mortgage, anything like that. Um, so basically, I, you know, underwrote the deal and was like, man, you know, uh, the numbers don't work for us at this point. You know, I, I, I wish you the best of luck, but I think the key component to getting this deal in their contract was the persistence and the follow-up. I mean, writing letters to this guy, phone calls on a monthly basis for the last year. Hey, sir, it's Jesse Fuchsia. I just wanted to check in. And most times it was like, oh, Jesse, you know, we just wanted our contract with another buyer. I appreciate you following up, but um, we're under contract and, you know, just me hitting them back. Awesome, sir. Congratulations. I, I wish you the best of luck, but really Brandon, you had this going back and forth for, for months on end. So basically I got a call about two months ago from the seller that was like, Jesse, my hair is on fire. I just had my fourth buyer fall through, um, almost always in the last year due to financing issues with banks, not wanting to land on, uh, mobile home parks during COVID and mm -hmm. issues with that. So basically just following up with him, he finally called me and said, Jesse, like I'm willing to discuss a price reduction. Um, I'm willing to hold the mortgage on this property to make this happen. Um, I got to get out of this property. He's an out of state, uh, very hands-off owner who hasn't been to the portfolio in years. So uh, a deal that started at 1.5 million cash a year ago is currently under contract for uh, 800,000 of seller financing and loan assumption um, that we're beginning the due diligence period this week on. So that's kind all of like a because of the follow-up, all because <laughs> the of the follow-up, man. Yeah. I love that. That's awesome. Where is the deal located? So this is, this is gonna, and again, the student housing is in upstate New York. This deal is in a pretty tertiary market in Northern New York. It sits up on the St. Lawrence river. Um, which is an awesome, awesome vacation spot in the Adirondacks. I mean, literally thousands of people flock here a year for RVing and, and camping and Airbnb, which obviously plays into kind of that mobile home or RV park style of living, which really excites us. But, uh, but yeah, the deals in, in Northern New York. And I mean, you already hit on it, Brandon, the, uh, I, I hate when people are like, you know, man, I, we submitted an LOI and like, we got turned down and, and the deal's dead. It's like, dude, you need to be following up 
every single month. I, I was handwriting letters, Brandon, to this dude's house. I was calling. I was, I mean, fill in the blank. It, it's the persistence that's going to get you those awesome deals. And here we are, you know, 50, 60 cents on the dollar, um, a pretty steep discount on an awesome deal with awesome financing. So, so how did you, exciting. did the owner have it listed for sale? By, like, how did you find the deal? Was it through an agent, through a broker? How'd you get directly to the owner? Yeah, so it was on, he had like a broker in his pocket. I mean, I know that's not like the right terminology, but he when he did sell, like currently we're under contract, obviously, and he has a broker representing him, but it's a super small brokerage in Northern New York. It's not on LoopNet. It's not on any other these, any other websites or anything like that. So basically, I, you know, I would speak to the broker and whatnot, then I would also speak to the owner and, and follow up with him. Obviously, I can figure out who owns those properties and then kind of do the backtracking from that through the LLC and, and mm -hmm. find uh, contact information and stuff like that. But yeah. So was a mobile home park on your radar? Cause I know you transitioned, you're talking about transitioning from the student housing into commercial properties. Were you thinking mobile home park? What was your property criteria in your mind as you started researching uh, and looking for properties? Yeah. So like when we made that decision um, that we're going to make this jump from residential properties to commercial real estate, it was like, and I'm curious your thoughts on this too, Brandon. We were like, you know, what can we do that nobody out there, now, nobody else out there is doing? You know, obviously everyone and their mother wants a 100 unit apartment building smack dab in the middle of Atlanta or, or Daytona Beach, Florida right now. But where can we hunt, Brandon, where nobody else is hunting? You know, let's set our tree stand up where no one else is setting theirs up at. And it was like, you know, there's this, you know, there's affordable housing out there through mobile home parks. And really, it's just that mentality of, of looking for the opportunity and, and getting those deals for, you know, 50, 60 cents on the dollar, because nobody else is looking in those specific markets for that asset. So that, that's what really, you know, drew us to mobile home parks and affordable housing in general was that mentality of like, hey, everyone's looking right right now. We're going to look left and we're going to find that opportunity. We're going to identify that underlying pattern that not everybody else can see. It's it's no secret. People uh, people don't like New York because of the uh, landlord tenant laws and and rent control and stuff like that. But again, like this, this deal sits waterfront and smack dab in one of the top, uh, you know, camping spots probably in the country. I mean, the Bass Fishing World Championship are there every year. I mean, this was an incredible, incredible find. Um, but that's to kind of answer your question. That's what, you know, drew us towards mobile home parks. It's like, hey, where do we have the best opportunity to find the best deals where nobody else is looking? And it's like, hey, let's look into this. And that's how we found it. That's how, that's how I should say that's what drew us. Yeah. Mobile home parks. No, and that, and that's just, I mean, you call it a pivot, right? I mean, every yeah. it's super, super competitive right now. Anything 100 plus units calling apartment complexes is super competitive. Yes. And then yes. you start talking about going into places like Dallas and Florida. Uh, and now you're super competitive. Like it's, yeah. it's, it's all you know, institutional money, dollars, people overpaying for properties. Right now we're going through it as a team is we're underwriting these deals, these hundred unit plus unit apartment complexes. We're coming in at a million and a half under asking. And that's mm -hmm. the best, that's the best we can do based off of our underwriting criteria. And someone's coming in and buying it for full asking price. And you can't compete with that. So what you guys did was very smart. And a lot of people are doing it is like, if we can't buy those right now, what can we buy? Where can we buy and still get the cash flow and the equity returns that we want for our team and our investors? So kudos to you, man. What, uh, when's closing date on that? 
So the uh, the period here, the uh, inspection period we got structured, it's it's pretty long just because it's our first deal. So this was a mom and pop owner, which is super common with mobile home parks. Um, he has 20, and this is going to sound long, but he's got 21 days to open up his books to us because he compiles all the books himself and stuff like that. And again, picture mobile home parks. It's, it's less sophisticated. Mm -hmm. um, he's got to compile all that stuff. So we have 21 days for that. Then we have a 60-day inspection period. And then we have uh, 30 days for a contingency closing after that, which we, again, foresee no issue with. This deal is structured as a joint venture. We already have the cash for it. It's loan assumption, so our financing, we're not even relying on agency debt or a bank. So that we're expecting to close hopefully sometime in October, uh, November of this year. So pretty exciting. That's awesome. Are you getting up there for inspection and walkthrough and everything? Yeah, I've already been up there a couple times, uh, just flying up on the weekends and stuff like that, meeting my father and brother and then walking the, uh, the park. We just walked, they just walked it again, uh, yesterday, but, but awesome, awesome opportunity. Um, big, this is actually a pretty big, it's a big challenge. I mean, it's a value add play. It's sitting at about 70% occupied. Um, it has about an 80% expense ratio. That's going to blow some people's minds. Uh, but uh, basically, the portfolio as a whole just runs on public water, which is awesome with a mobile mm -hmm. home park. That's, that's exactly what you want. Um, but the owner just foots the bill every month. He doesn't bother to incorporate any type of rubs or ratio utility billing system to recoup expenses or anything like that. So it has an extremely high expense ratio. And then also the lot rents are about 50 to $75 uh, below market rate. So three, three easy ways for us right there to uh, increase the net operating income and increase the value of this property. It's, it's, it's super exciting. Great opportunity for us uh, right out the gate. So Awesome, man. Okay, so structuring the deal with owner financing, uh, was a down payment required? And what percentage of down payment was required? Yeah. So again, 800,000, um, we'll be putting 25% down. So we'll put 200,000 down and then the, uh, remaining 600,000 is split between a first position of loan assumption, which is, uh, of 340,000. And then the remaining 260,000, make sure I did that math, right? 260,000 will be a uh, seller financing, which will be uh 4% at a 20 year AM with a uh, five-year balloon, which again, discussing the things that we just discussed with how much value add there is, we should have no issue being able to refinance hopefully in year, as early as year two, as late as year four or five if needed. Yeah, uh, and, that, and that's to, what I was gonna uh, go into is that, you know, it's pending that his financials come back correct and you do the due diligence and everything falls into place and you close on the property, the goal would be to uh, create the value improve the efficiencies, increase, in, increase occupancy, bump the rents, implement the rub system, and then do a refi to long-term debt after three or three or four. Is that correct? Yeah. After three or four years. And again, uh, this, this portfolio as a whole has such a potential to cash flow. It's insane. The, the returns, uh, that we have predicted right now because of just how high the expense ratio is the occupancy rate, the lot rents. I mean, this guy, has such a potential to be doing so much more with this property. But unfortunately, for whatever reason, obviously, you know, he's older and just wants to get out. And, um, you know, we're giving him that out to take over this property. But, uh, but yeah, just as you said, the goal will be to refi to agency long term debt, hopefully around year three or four, and then um, see where we can go with that. I think we'll be able to pull the money out. And by then we'll be uh, off and running with this commercial real estate thing to hopefully take down the next deal of 
you know, either an apartment complex or another mobile home park or, or hopefully a self-storage facility. We're pretty bullish on those as well. So that'll be exciting. I like it, man. And, and you just said it right. You figured out the seller's why. And that's a, that's yeah. a big question you need to ask all listeners out there looking for properties, whether it's a single family home, a commercial, multi, whatever, multifamily, mobile home park, whatever it is, you got to figure out why is the seller selling? And you did the follow-up, you, you, you stayed on him for months and, and he went through four different buyers and that ultimately he trusted you to close on the property and gave it to you at a discount. Because at that point, his why was, I need to get rid of this thing. Yeah. You know, this is not, <laughs> I couldn't only imagine going through four different, How? I mean, that's got to be what, a year? Yeah. I mean, it was over the course of a year. Oh my yeah. gosh. The pain, um, the pain yeah. of a seller, man. Well, had, I, wish uh, you, uh, yeah. I wish you guys the best on that property, man. I'll, I'll, I'll be following up with you, um, you know, as we move into the fall and winter to, but make sure when you close that thing, you get that thing posted out there. So everyone can see it because that's going to create some momentum for you guys. It really will. Um, as you move, like you said, as you move on to your next property and, and you start looking to raise capital, uh, you mentioned that you're going to be building a website, correct? soon. Yeah. Yep. Absolutely. And, uh, and just to, to caveat what you just said, and it's so important finding the why of the seller and, and the pain threshold as well. I mean, that's, that's how you're going to find those deals for 50, 60 cents on the dollar, uh, for seller financing, which is obviously awesome non-recourse debt. So, but, uh, but yeah, I mean, just finding that why and, and following up with the sellers, like I said, it, it kills me when, when dudes tell me like, Jesse, like we submitted this LOI and I haven't talked to this dude in eight months. It's like, dude, is this deal closed? Like the fight's not over till this thing's closed, man. And it's unfortunate, but you know, skeletons come out of the closet during the inspection period. Um, things like people can't predict like world per pandemics happen. Like you need to be following up every month with that seller or that broker or whatever. It's, it's about being willing to do what others, you know, are not don't count yourself out until that deals across the finish line. But uh, I just wanted to caveat off that. I mean, that's super important and I'm glad you brought that up, but but yeah, the future for us, it's, it's exciting stuff. I mean, we've got a website launch being worked on right now. Um, just like yourself, I'll be, I'm sure, picking your brain here in the next month. We're looking to launch a podcast and hopefully uh, providing phenomenal, uh, great content to uh, listeners and, and viewers all over the world and stuff like that. But the goal here will be really to, uh, to use this deal as a launch pad to kind of start, you know, syndicating and, and raising capital and and really getting to the why of our business model, which is helping as many people as possible uh, attain their vision of financial freedom through the wealth building asset of, of real estate, the generational wealth building. And, you know, I go back to that first house, Brandon, and, and you asked the great question on it, you know, what was the why behind it? And it was like, you know, dad, you can put your money in something as volatile as the stock market, or we can find this awesome, incredible cash flowing hard asset, and we can go in on it together to a uh, to create uh, you know, wealth and generational wealth and stuff like that. So that, that's kind of the way forward for us once we get this first deal across the, the finish line and, and helping as many people as possible in, in the ways that you and your team do uh, in this podcast and the deals. And, and uh, hopefully we'll be able to uh, replicate uh, some level of success that you and the Real Focus team can do. That'll be our goal. So Awesome, man. You're 26 talking like you're 45. I love it. I love it, man. Uh, all right. Well, the last thing I kind of want to, close with a couple things about, you know, the mindset that you take into uh, real estate investing, because obviously, 
being active duty in the military, you've been through a ton of training, probably a ton of mental warfare amongst in that training. So how do you translate what you've learned there into real estate? You know, do you have a specific routine? Do you read specific books? Do you listen to specific podcasts? Kind of give the listeners and some insight, Jesse, on what makes you tick and how have you been so successful at such a young age? Yeah, I mean, man, that's a great question. I, I want to answer it as as best as I can and with as much detail as I can. I mean, again, I mean, it's 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 finding that why. And like I, I touched on it in the military piece of 9-11 and and carrying a piece of the World Trade Center with me and stuff like that. And and with real estate, you know, attaining that vision of financial freedom. I mean, I, I think it's it's getting out of your comfort zone, you know, every single day seven days a week, getting out of your comfort zone. If it's for a couple minutes, if it's for an hour, if it's for hours on end, like some of these selection processes are and stuff like that. But I, th I think the people who, who fail or maybe the people who quit, and this is just me, again, 26 years old, looking back on some of these selection processes where the attrition rate is insanely high and, and people haven't made it through. I, I think people can't deal with the stress of, of failure and stuff like that. The, the people who are successful, Brandon, and some of these selection processes and stuff like that, and and again, also you know, translate to real estate or the people who can treat this like a marathon. You know, this isn't a buy a home on a, or buy a property on Monday and you're in the Caribbean on Friday on your yacht. This is this is a long play, but the amount of generational wealth that can be produced from an asset, a hard asset like real estate, it, it can't be replicated by the stock market or by cryptocurrency or, or by anything else out there. So really taking that mindset from the military of like, hey, I'm going to wake up today and I'm going to get out of my comfort zone. If that's, you know, talk to a new broker, if that's, you know, go on a 10 mile run, if that's, uh, you know, jump out of an airplane, whatever it is, I'm, I'm going to go do that thing. And I'm going to wake up and I'm going to do it every single day. And the people who are able to get out of their comfort zone and take those risks and do the things that others are not willing to do are going to be the ones who can find success. And it's, it's going to be in success, just like anything, whether it's real estate, if it's military success compounds, you know, year after year after year. So I would tell, you know, any of your listeners or, or viewers or anything like that um, to understand the long-term play that this isn't a, you know, everybody wants to be a, a Zuckerberg or everybody wants the 15 cars and, and stuff like that. And there's nothing wrong with that. Trust me, like my, my goal is similar. I want financial freedom. I want to be able to purchase and go on vacations with my family, but I see it as a long-term play. You know, I'm 26 years old. Imagine where I'll be at when I'm 30 or I'm 35 or I'm 40. You know, I understand that by putting in the work right now, it's going to pay dividends uh, five years from now, a decade from now and stuff like that. I mean, I'm curious your thoughts on that, Brandon. I mean, do you agree or, or disagree? Oh, or what do you that's, think? that's right on point. You know, a lot of people quit before they even get started because yeah. it's, it's hard. This is real estate investing, building a business, being active duty in the army. Uh, I run a couple of my own businesses. It's not easy. And if it was, everyone would do it. And that's yeah. what separates the successful people from the unsuccessful people. And just to hit on your point about, you know, you want to do something every day that's going to just push the needle forward a little bit. You know, we use the term, you're going to hear it a lot on here. We move the needle every day, whether you yeah. feel like shit or you're feeling phenomenal, you're going to do something that's going to push your portfolio forward, whether that's calling a broker, looking at listings, practicing underwriting, sending emails to your investors, connecting with new investors, 
doing a social media post. All that stuff only takes a few minutes. But the second somebody has a bad day or they've failed the day before, they kind of just push it to the side for the next day and they take the day off. Well, while you're taking a day off, guess who's not taking the day off? People like Jesse and Brandon and our group. And they're going to get ahead of you. You know, this is a competitive environment. Real estate investing is super competitive. Everyone's going after the same properties. What are you doing different from that other group that's going to land you that property? And you may not buy it today, but like you did on the mobile home park, you may buy it in nine months from now if you just keep following up and moving the needle every day and just doing things that are going to push you forward. So, I mean, that's basically I just regurgitated everything you just said. So, <laughs> but man, that's uh, it's right on point. So, just kind of in closing, man, where can people find you? You know, where can where can we go look you up? Um, maybe you got other podcasts. I know you got a podcast coming out. The website's coming out, but you active on social media? Dude, absolutely. I mean, Facebook, LinkedIn. I can text you my cell phone and put that in the show notes or whatever. Um, my name will be in the show notes. And I would tell anybody, whether it's real estate related, if it's military related, if, if you want to be a, a ranger or anything like that, dude, I will network and get on a call with anyone. I, I don't care if it's mobile home parks, if it's real estate, if it's student housing, if it's military, I will take time to get on a call with anybody out there who wants to network and connect. And, and that's my promise to your, your listeners, your viewers. I love networking and connecting and so many people in this journey in just the last six years, Brandon, so many incredible people took time out of their schedule to get on a call with, you know, Jesse Fuchsia, who knew nothing about real estate or even the definition of what cash flow or cap rates were. So that's how I got to today. Again, Facebook, LinkedIn, cell phone, shoot me a text. I'll take time for anybody. Um, I want to connect and network with as many people as possible. So what's the five-year goal? How many doors? Oh, man. Is it too is it too ruthless, Brandon? Do you think ten thousand by the time I'm thirty one? Set the bar I, I think high. I'm on that. Set I the bar high, that, man. <laughs> I think I'm on that path, brother. I don't think anyone's going to be able to stop it, or anyone's going to be able to deny it. So by thirty one years old, Jesse Fuchsia will have ten thousand doors under management. There you go. You heard it here first, guys. I love it, man. I appreciate your time, and I'll be following you, and we'll we'll stay in, in contact. And uh, listeners, I hope you guys uh, learned something today, man. Jesse, great job, buddy. Thanks, Brandon. Appreciate it. Have a great one, guys. All right. Thanks for listening to the Gorilla State Investing Podcast, where we give you the ground-pounding truth about what it takes to be successful in real estate. Learn more at realfocus.org slash gorillastatepod.